from Judges chapter 6. Maybe on the screen. So Judges chapter 6, and we'll be in two parts. So we're looking at Judges 6, 1 to 16, and then going to the end of the passage, 36 to 40. So Judges chapter 6. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelter for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or the camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a a, a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you live. But you are to listen. You, you are not. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak of Ophir. Ophir I can't say that word. Um, and, belo and belonged to Jash, the Abizrite, uh, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it um, from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, "The Lord is with you." mighty warrior. Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that, are, that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord, Gideon said, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Then we're going on to verse 36. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one 
Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. When Pete was coming to speak and I said I was leading, um, we were sort of messaging each other on WhatsApp saying what sort of partnership are we? And I don't think Bill and Ben came into the, into the equation, but I think, um, uh, what was it? Chuckle Brothers. Chuckle Brothers. So to me, to me, Pete, to you, to you. yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's pray for you. Lord, we uh, thank you um, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you've been with um, Pete and Suzanne and the family for over the, the last few years and um, the highs and the lows and the, the, the good times, the disappointments. But we thank you, Lord, that these are to, to test us, to, to make us more like you, to, to, to mold us, Lord. And we, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, for how you've blessed them um, in their married, married lives together. And, and now uh, in this new venture in, uh, in this church, we, 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 we pray that you'll bless them in, in, in the work that they're doing for you. Um, but we thank you, Lord, for this time that we have this morning to, to come under your word, pray for Pete, pray you'll give him the words to say, um, encourage him as he does that. Um, but yes, just use him as your servant this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. What a, what a privilege to be back. I think it was about seven years ago that we left uh, Great Parks. And uh, so I owe Jonathan a lot of, uh, a lot of sh sharing of the service leading. <laughs> I'm running up a bit of a bill. Uh, thank you so much for leading us uh, so wonderfully this morning. We come to Gideon, uh, not just because uh, that's Ezra's brother, but uh, because we're in Judges 6. But I've got a question for you this morning. What is God like when he comes to save us from our sin? What picture do you have in your mind of him? Is he a begrudging, frustrated, disappointed father? Is he tutting and shaking his head when he comes to pull us from the wreckage, the scrap heap? of our sin. What do you see in the face of God when you cling to him for mercy? See, I have often failed our girls, failed to love them as I should. I can be a disappointed, frustrated, and impatient father when what they really need is a word of grace, a winsome face, or a warm embrace. Well, I want to show you this morning that God has a heart for you, a heart full of mercy. And through the call of Gideon, I want to show you that when God comes to save us, comes with compassion and loving kindness written all over his face. So the best book I read in 2020 was a book called Gentle and Lowly. It was by a guy called Dane Ortland, and it looks at the heart of Jesus Christ heart of Christ for his people. When he speaks of God's mercy, Dane writes these words. He says, the Old Testament speaks of God being provoked to anger. But not once are we told that God is provoked to love, provoked to mercy. His anger requires provocation. His mercy is pent up, ready to gush forth. We tend to think that divine anger is pent up, spring-loaded. 
Divine mercy is slow to build. But he says it's just the opposite. Divine mercy is ready to burst forth. So as we come to Judges 6, that's the journey we're on. That's the journey I want to take you on to the mercy of God. God's people then in Judges are in the land of promise. But they've forgotten the keeper of the promise, haven't they? And they get caught, if you remember, time and time again in this loop, this cycle, this spiral. And when all is well, the people of Israel forget God. And they fall away into sin and idolatry. So God gives them up to judgment, to bondage, until they cry for mercy. And he sends a deliverer and brings them peace. Until once again in their peace, they forget God and the spiral continues. And at the start of Judges 6, as Jonathan read for us earlier, the people have spiraled down into sin. So God comes in judgment. But in judgment, he always remembers his mercy. So we're going to go through Judges 6, or at least the verses that we read earlier on, and look at the movement of God's mercy towards his people. I want you to see his heart for you today. So the first move of God's mercy comes in a surprising way. It comes in judgment. Let's read verses 1 to 6 of Judges 6. Once more. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites and Malachites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. This must be so frustrating. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. They did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites... But they cry to the Lord for help. The situation here is so dire. God's judgment is so fierce and all-consuming. And yet God's mercy begins right here. Before the cry for mercy comes, God's judgment comes upon them with a purpose. He has an intent behind his judgment. He wants them back in his arms of love. See, justice is retribution for their sins, but it's also restoration from their sins. Because what is the result of his judgment? What happens in verse 6? They were so impoverished that they cried to the Lord for help. I wonder, has God's Spirit been convicting you of sin? Is he calling you to seek him for mercy? It's a very simple prayer from a broken heart that God loves to hear. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And as you plead the mercy of God, and as you look to the cross of Christ, you'll find a merciful Savior. You see, you'll find that the Holy Spirit who's been convicting you is the very one who's been drawing you to Christ, to cry out for mercy. See, it's the Lord who makes the first move. In judgment, he remembers mercy, and when they cry to him, he hears their prayer. The Lord has a soft spot for sinners. He really does. 
God responds to their prayers. And the first thing he does is he sends a prophet to them. And this is the second of his mercy. Look at this in verse 7. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. Can you hear the heart of God? You have not listened to me. If God was like you or me, then their cry for mercy, it would fall on deaf ears. They've rebelled. They've ignored him over and over again. But God is not like you and me. Again, Dane Ortland puts it like this. Every human friend has a limit. If we offend enough, if our relationships get damaged enough, if we betray enough, we are cast out. The walls go up. We love to a limit. Jesus loves to the end. Do you remember in John 13 when... Jesus is about to wash the disciples' feet. John 13, verse 1, it says this, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. His love has no limits. And so he answers their cry for mercy. And the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. This is the third move of his mercy. God comes down to save his people. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in, I don't know if it's Ophrah or Ophrah, yeah, I don't know, Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abirzrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Ironic and prophetic, we'll find out. God always come down to us. Remember, he walked in the cool of the day with Adam. He met Abraham under the great trees of Mamre. He came down on a mountain with Moses. And here he sits under a tree, the angel of the Lord, with Gideon. He comes down in mercy to save us, just as he has in Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. See, when Jesus, the Son of God, came to dwell among us, to show us God's heart, he came so close, we could literally touch him. You read the first few verses of 1 John. Literally touched him. God's mercy comes down to meet us where we are. In the stench of our sin, he comes not with disappointment, not with, I told you so, but with eyes full of tenderness and love. And he comes here, doesn't he, to send Gideon to save Israel. That's the next move of his mercy, sending Gideon. Verse 13, pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? That's a good question for us in the last 18 months. Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? 
But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? See, this next move of God's mercy is sending. Sending Gideon to save. God calls people to deliver Israel. Does it time and time again? Does it through the judges? Did it through Moses? Did it through Joshua? Does it through kings? Does it through prophets? All of them pointing to one deliverer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God is merciful. He is slow to anger and full of steadfast love and faithfulness. But Gideon? Gideon is worried about something. And if you're anything like me, you'd be worried too. He's weak. He's weak. And so God moves mercy again. A fifth time. This time he says, I will be with you. Verse 15, pardon me, Lord? Gideon replied, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Basically, I'm a wimp. And the Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Do you know, God has called and commissioned every one of his people. He's called us to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us. We tell others about Jesus at home, at school, at work, door to door, out on the streets, online, at church. That's his commission. But he never calls us to go it alone. I will be with you, he says. I will be with you. Just as I was with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Jeremiah, and Gideon. I will be with you. He will be with each one of us when we faithfully follow him and speak the truth about sin and salvation to a nation that is running away from the living God. I will be with you. He will never leave us or forsake us. But Gideon, he's not for sure. And so he asks for a sign, a sign that the Lord will definitely be with him. So we come to this next move, this next move of God's mercy. An amazing move of God. He waits for Gideon. God waits for Gideon. Look at verse 17. We didn't read it earlier on. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. That is really you talking to me. Please, please. Do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. I will wait. Our God waits. He waits for wayward, weak, wimpy people like you and me. Have you ever heard of such mercy? He waits for us to come. To repent, to step out in faith, and to follow Jesus. He is just that patient with us. 
And so Gideon goes away and he prepares this meal. And we'll sort of skip over this, but it's fascinating. He cooks this big meal uh, and of broth and, and, and other things, and he puts it before the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord strikes it with a stick, and it's consumed immediately by fire. You can imagine Gideon thinking, it took me hours to prepare that. Um, but he has the answer he asked for. The Lord is with him. And so Gideon goes from this weakness and uncertainty to being petrified. He is full of fear because he has stood face to face with the Lord. And so the next move of God's mercy, the penultimate one that we're going to look at, is a move of peace. Let's have a look at verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Peace. Yahweh Shalom. The Lord our peace. The promise of Jesus Christ to each one of us is peace with God forever. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. God's mercy brings us peace. And that peace with God, that reconciliation with God, it means no more fear. No more fear of death. No more fear of wrath. No more fear of sin or shame or guilt or the devil or evil. Because believers, you have peace with God forever in Christ Jesus. And so with God's peace and with this command to save Israel, Gideon tears down the altars to idols. He amasses a great army. He is clothed in God's spirit and he's about to face the Midianites. And as we come to the end of this chapter, the end of chapter 6, you'd think Gideon was ready. But he's not. He's still full of doubt and fear. And so out comes Gideon's fleece. It's not surprising, is it, really, that he's full of doubt and fear? Have you ever been full of doubt and fear? I know I have. I suspect you have too. But the final move of God's mercy here is that when we fear and when we doubt and even when we test and even when we try our Father God, he still patiently and mercifully comes to us in love. Just read it again, verse 36. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, Look, I will place a woolen fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you'll save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and rang the dew, a bowl full of water. His prayer was answered. God gave him the sign he needed. But do you know what happens when you ask God for a sign? It's never quite enough. <laughs> See, this is what Jesus is, isn't he? The Son of God, the living God, walking on this earth, saving people, healing people, ra raising them up from the dead. It was not enough for those who demanded a sign. 
You see, it is faith that saves us. And so when God calls us, we are to step out in faith and trust in his promises. But then Gideon said to God in verse 39, don't be angry with me. You can tell he knows he's not doing the right thing here. Don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. This is a harder test. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. And that night, having been tested, God did so. He did it. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered with dew. God, in mercy, answered his prayer. See, Gideon is not giving us a model to follow. But he is revealing to us the heart of our God. See, God will continually pursue his children in relentless and patient mercy. In spite of his weak faith, the Lord gives Gideon everything he needs, all the assurance, because he is that kind and that patient with us. And if you're here tonight, if you're on Zoom tonight, we're going to look at chapter 7. We're going to go further and discover more about God. But for now, all these movements of God's mercy show us his heart. He disciplines. He warns us. He comes down to save us. He calls us. He will be with us. He patiently waits for us because his heart is so full of love for his people. And it should come as no surprise. For when Jesus came, he was just the same, wasn't he? Jesus came to warn of God's judgment. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He came near to us to bring us to God. He came to reconcile and make peace through his blood on the cross. And he promised when he left his disciples, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. He called us to follow in faith. And why hasn't he come? Because he patiently waits. He patiently waits for each one of us. Because God's heart of mercy and grace came to us and died for us and with blood red love written all over his face. I'm going to pray now, but just before I do, this week when you seek God's mercy... As believers in Jesus, you come to a loving Heavenly Father who is not frustrated or disappointed or impatient with you. You'll find him just as he's always been, patiently waiting, watching, and wanting you to come so close that you feel the beat of his heart for you. Let's pray. Our Lord and our Father God, as we have sung, we are but wretched sinners. But your grace is amazing. We thank you that you have shown us through your word in the call of Gideon to save your people that you move relentlessly in mercy towards us. That when we come to you as your children, born of your spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, we come to a God over and over 
who though we offend and sin against and even turn away from, continues unendingly to love us. So Father, as we thank you, would you help us to glorify you this week by giving us the faith to believe it, to believe that you are this merciful in the Lord Jesus Christ to each one of us. We pray it in his blessed and beautiful name. Amen.